Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition, a gather-round edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. An amazing weekend of football here in South Australia. It's been so good to have everyone, all our football supporting cousins from the Eastern States and from the Western State, over for uh, a fantastically successful round of footy. And, uh, Mac, I'm sure you'll agree that... uh, uh, well deserved that we were able to get it for another go. Yeah, look, it was an absolutely outstanding success, Fane. I mean, starting off with ourselves, you know, uh, opening it on a premium night and mm. performing, and then it, you know all the games being sold out. It doesn't matter whether people went there or not. It was sold out. That's the most important thing. Um, the amount of tourists that come to the city, adding about, I think they said about eighty odd million to the economy on top of that, and then to get it for another three years on top of that. And it's going to go out into the brosser next year, and they will come in hordes. Absolutely. And, uh, look, welcome to everyone who's joined us on Discord and also on YouTube. Um, hopefully we get some uh, rabble in from the interstate teams uh, <laughs> joining in just for the sake of it. Um, but, uh, look, I don't think anyone really could have foreseen just how successful it was, Mac. Well, when you think about it, though, Fane, it, it, it's logical for South Australia in the sense that we are a, a footy state. We're not like New South Wales, for example, that's rugby and soccer and, all, and everything else. Um, and West Australia is a long way away. But Victorians can drive to South Australia. They can fly to South Australia very quite cheaply. So it was obvious that, that it's got to be us. And... Um, and I had no doubt Malinowskis would go all out to make it as good as it was. And, uh, uh, you know, when he sets his mind to something, he achieves it. And he, I think he did an outstanding job in, uh, I know he didn't do all the organising, but firstly getting it and making sure that it all happened. Yeah, and uh, not only that, the fact that we were able to put it together in such a short space of time, apparently... Uh, we actually, well, our government actually approached the AFL um, around grand final week last year with the concept. Uh, so we did sort of drive it, but we only had four or five months to prepare. And uh, the good thing is that next year we're going to have a full 12 months. Um, everything will be organised. Um, there'll probably be far more events, as you say, maybe a game in the Barossa or a couple. And uh, it can only get bigger and better. And I, I think... You know, I think a three-year rotation is about right, Macca. I think after three or four years, you're probably not getting stale, but people are probably looking for a little bit of a change. So I reckon a three- or four-year rotation is probably pretty decent. I think it's absolutely spot on because if you had it every year, it's a bit like uh, the Formula One was starting to get uh, stale here in Adelaide. Um, no, I mean, it I wasn't. Went... No, it wasn't. Well, I, I did go to the first five thing, but admittedly it was a f- corporate and free. <laughs> so, um, but I didn't, when I changed jobs, I didn't get my invites, so I didn't go. But um, no, I, I think you're right. I think, I think I think the four years are just about right because next year we'll fine tune it and make it even better and people will rave about it. And uh, then the year after that, they'll expect it to be really, really good and it will be. 
And the fourth year is probably going to be the questionable one. But um, I think that if you know, if, if you really do such a good job in the as we did this year, we'll do even better next year. And I think uh, refine a little in third. We'll, we'll have a good good fourth, and then it's time to call it quits. Yep, I think so. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who gets it next. I tell you what, I have noticed um, um, just before we move on uh, the amount of um, dirt pieces in News Corp this weekend. Um, about not only about the gather round concept, but also about it not being in New South Wales and being in Adelaide and all the rest of it. The Murdoch press are very, very salty. A, that the AFL stole the magic round concept or borrowed it, and B, that they didn't put it in dear old New South Wales. Yeah, look, okay, it, 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 I don't think it's going to work that good in New South Wales, mate, because um, all there's. It's just a scattered great big heap of suburbs, and I just don't think they're going to get the numbers if they do, if they put it there. I agree. I agree. Um, I think um, it should work reasonably well in Brisbane. I think it'll work quite well in Western Australia, although I think they're going to have to be very careful when they send it over there with regards to scheduling um, because uh, it is a long trip for most people, uh, particularly those in the eastern states. So... Um, but anyway, that's for the future, and at the moment, it's our concept and it's our baby for the next few years. And uh, I'm already looking forward to next year, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it only work in Brisbane uh, because of the fact that um, while you've got to pay a, 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 a really high fare, like maybe like the same you would for Western Australia, but not quite as much. At least there's a lot to do when you get there. They've got the Gold Coast, etc. So there's a lot of side distractions up there, which yeah. would, would help make it work. And that's and I think that's I think Brisbane's the only other state that can really attract people from around Australia, apart from South Australia. Yep. Uh, well, they're going to have whoever gets it next. And some people are saying Tassie. I don't think they. I mean Tassie. It's struggle to get fifteen grand to a game. So I don't they think Tassie'd work. No. Um, I could see a combination of Melbourne and Tassie work, but why would you have gather around in Melbourne when they've already got everything? Um, but whoever does get it is going to have uh, a lot to live up to because I think we're going to be uh, setting a pretty high bar by the end of it and uh, good on us. And it's look, the other thing that I'll point out, Macca, and I'll be interested in your thoughts on this, for people of our generation... Didn't it remind you of the good old days when the SANFL was strong and you had eight great rounds of footy in South Australia every week in the SANFL? Didn't it remind you of that? People that didn't experience growing up with the SANFL don't know what they're missing out on, but this weekend they probably got a taste of it. Well, it's interesting, very interesting that you say that, Ben, because apart from our game, which obviously is our, my favourite game, your favourite game, everybody who's here's favourite game, I love the Norwood game, watching the Norwood yeah. game. Yeah. I, it, and it did bring back all those memories. And Yeah, and I said to Mrs Macca, God, Norwood looks bloody beautiful. And I said, this is lovely. And even the Mount Barker one, I thought to myself, this is fantastic. And, yeah. you know, just different. Um Away from the normal AFL grind of, uh, you know, the main ovals, etc. I just thought it was magic. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's good for the younger generation to get a a, a taste of what uh, a full eight rounds of high grade football is like in one location because that's what we grew up with every week, mate. Every week, that's what we had. Yep, yep. 
Yes, I screamed out abuse, abuse from the stand every week. <laughs> well, I remember going with my grandfather, though, who was a dyed-in-the-wool Norwood supporter, uh, <clears throat> to the uh, to the Norwood Oval quite regularly. And when I switched to Sturt at a young age, he was heartbroken. But he used to still order me uh, a membership every year and would go twice a year, and I'd still get the bloody Red Legs review every month or however long it came out. <laughs> Um, but yeah lots of good memories at Norwood so uh, look fantastic and uh, congratulations to the government and the AFL and everyone who was associated um, with putting that together in such a short space of time I thought Mount Barker was great Uh, Norwood as you said Mac was fantastic and imagine how much they can build on it um, with a bit of forward planning next year a bit of time yeah and also as PJ says in the chat Elder Park setup was absolutely sensational I mean it was just uh and they did it in style, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the riverfront looked great. Um, the footy show this morning on, on TV, even though... Why didn't the footy show cover the Crows game this morning? <laughs> they said they were going to, and that's the only reason I watched the damn thing, and they didn't do it. <laughs> no, they were just talking all SNAFL stuff. It was, really while, it? It, was it was really bizarre. It was bizarre. Anyway. All right, let's move on. And, of course, uh, before we get to the round the grounds, Mac, um, we had a fantastic win on, on Thursday night, which seemed so long ago I had to rewatch it just to remind myself. But, my goodness me, that first quarter, uh, I haven't seen us play that well for a long time. Oh, we, we absolutely blitzkrieg Carlton in, in that first quarter. And I thought, I thought it was sensational footy. And, um, and it is as well as we've ever played. And... You know, you've got to go back when we had really good sides back in 2017, but I just thought the way, the style we played was just absolutely electric. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. A lot of people comparing it to, you know, 2017 and particularly, you know, that famous prelim against Geelong. In some ways, yes, but I just feel like, I just feel like when we play that way, and obviously that's not sustainable for four quarters, but when we get on a roll like that, there's there's a bit more... uh, it's coming from a bit more of a solid base, whereas, you know, everything in 2017 was free-flowing and, and all the rest of it. But I just feel like the style of playing that we're, the play that we're utilising at the moment, um, and we'll talk about this more later, but it just feels more solid to me. It doesn't feel quite as flaky. No, no, because it's got a, it has, does have a solid base to it. I agree with you, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, look, let's um, talk about the weekend's results, shall we? Um, and we uh, should just bypass quickly. What am I doing? Here we are. Um, all right. So apart from our game on the Thursday night, we had uh, Free on the Suns battling it out on Friday afternoon. Frio getting up in the end by 10 points, 100 to 90, uh, was one that the Suns really really, really threw away, in my opinion. Uh, bad kicking, uh, Jack Lacocious, uh bad kicking, a few other... Like, and they just fell away, and, and Stuart Jew would have been terribly disappointed with that. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I thought Jack Lacocious, this, this was his breakout game. It's, it's taken him a long time to play a game of this quality, and, uh, you know, he was a number two draft pick, and he looked like a number two draft pick in this game. He was outstanding, mm. so they... I mean, they had that going for them. And, yeah, and, I, and you know, it looked like Gold Coast had Frio on toast at one stage. But, yeah, but when it came down to the crunch, no. They, 
I think Stuart Jews in trouble. They, they can't finish off, and uh, Rio got them in the end. And um, I, I wouldn't say it was a memorable game, Fiend, by any standards, but. Um, from uh, Frio's point of view, it was important, and it was just as important for uh, Gold Coast. And uh, if I was uh, Stuart Jew, I'd start to get a little bit twitchy. Yeah, I'd, look, they they just should have won that game. Um, there's no two ways about it. They, it was just a game they should have won um, for yep. no other reason that I picked them in my footy tip smack. Oh, well, that says it all. Exactly. Um, on uh, the in the evening game. Pardon me, on Friday night, uh, Sydney uh, gave Richmond a bit of a walloping in the end. It was tight for a while, not a high standard game. In f- and that one quarter that went for for 37 minutes, I, I was watching I'm... it with my mate and uh, we're thinking, like, have they just forgotten to blow the siren? What's going on? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because, you know, both sides went in seriously undermanned. That They each had three very good players out. But... Um... Uh, Richmond always say you know they can still play footy. Well, you know, at half time it was uh, Sydney by seven points, but um, after, uh, it, particularly in the last quarter, you know, they, they just Sydney ran away with the game, and uh, um, they, I mean they've got some stars up, and still got some stars in the uh, that play very well. Uh, Patley got six goals. Um, Blakey was outstanding in defence, and. You have to say with Richmond, they you know they got in uh, Hopper and Taranto. I don't think they look any better for it. No, I I mean I'm a big fan and always have been of of Hopper. Um, Taranto, I was certainly counting him in his um, draft year, but his disposal and his, some of his decision making was pretty poor. Um, look, I think they, you know, it was very evident with Richmond that they were, that they are an arrogant football team, and even Damien Hardwick recognised it after the game. Some of their undisciplined acts—they've always sort of been a bit like that. But now you've got to be able to back it up, and it's all right when you can back it up. But when you can't back it up, and you've just got to knuckle down and play footy, um, I think they're struggling a little bit in that regard at the moment. I think they they don't have enough weapons. Um, with Lynch out, they looked a little bit insipid up forward, and. Uh, They've got a bit of an attitude problem, in my in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I just think they've had their good days, and they they're going to sort of join the pack a bit. I think that's just my opinion, anyhow. Yeah, it's pretty we can knock them off. Um, look, on Saturday we had um, the early game at Mount Barker. The Lions getting up very very comfortably. North will be disappointed with that. Um, the Lions uh, one fifty two to North. 77, the Lions by 75 points in the end. I enjoyed the game. Uh, well, as much as you could. Um, the, the Lions, uh, I actually like the attitude, you know, where it was played, the atmosphere, sorry, where it was played up at Mount Barker. I, I, I love the yeah. Oval. And uh, I think they've done an outstanding job because the playing surface was immaculate, absolutely immaculate. And it was a nice um, ground. Yep. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, North Melbourne started okay, but then that was the end. And uh, you know, the hip, hip, the hip was firing, and uh, yeah, the ball was just being driven in there all the time. And Danaher was firing, then the mid midfield was firing, and it just, it just it was one. Just became a one-sided game. In fact, I ended up flicking away, uh, off the game after a while because it was obvious where it was headed. Yeah, um, North just haven't got any bookends. They haven't got a bad midfield, but they haven't got any bookends really. And 
um, you know, their scoring was dried dried up pretty quickly. So, anyway, uh, the other game, uh, the mid afternoon game, was Essendon Melbourne, and this wasn't a bad game at all. Essendon um, twenty seven point winners in the end, one hundred four to seventy seven, and uh, Melbourne also just looking a little bit off the boil at the moment. Well, you know, they they um, that was really it was a twenty seven point upset. But that was really set up. There was set, uh, a period with seven unanswered goals in uh, spanning the second and third quarters, and uh, they were, they tagged Oliver, and uh, Oliver had two possessions in the first quarter. I think he got it up to about twelve or fourteen at half time, but it ended up with forty one. That's how good he is. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, but but you know the damage was done, and and I thought Essendon played good flowing football. They really did, and uh, their their own midfield was outstanding in the sense. Um, uh, Merritt and uh, and he's oh, the other blokes. Um, oh, I always forget him, the little fella. He gets a lot of the ball. Doesn't matter. Um, but their their midfield was too good, and they got so many opportunities. And uh, their their ruckman was really good. And he kicked three goals. Paris, thank you. Paris was a name I couldn't remember. And uh, yeah, oh, I wouldn't mind. Red, somebody says Redmond or Crow next year. Well, he's a free agent. I don't know whether he's going to available or not, but he's well. I'm told that we're heavily into him. Whether he comes over or not is another thing. Uh, but there's a couple of free agents that we're he- heavily into and there's another one that performed quite well this afternoon that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but Redman uh, did play well. I thought uh, Draper played well as well. I wouldn't mind him uh, Draper, running yeah, around. The Draper's re-signed. He's, he's, uh, yeah, I know. He's off. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't have minded him running around. But Redman's certainly on our radar. Um, all right, and then the Saturday night game um, was Port v the Bulldogs, and I was bitterly disappointed by the Bulldogs, Macca. Port getting up by 14 points in the end in horrific conditions, it must be said, uh, 70 to 56. Yeah, I'll let you talk about this game, team, because I, being at the party, I only saw the, I did watch the last 10 minutes of the game, but I'll leave it up to you. Well, I mean, I didn't. I watched bits and pieces of it. Um, uh, it was probably uh, Zach Butters' coming of age game. I guess he played very well. Um, uh, I also thought Port benefited from more output from Rosie, um, and of course, Jason Horn Francis had a good last quarter. Um, but I, the Western Bulldogs just aren't uh, aren't the same team. They're not. They didn't play the conditions well. They didn't. Uh, they didn't seem to be cohesive. Um, I don't know whether they know how to use Norton up forward. Um, I don't know. They just don't seem connected. And I wouldn't be surprised if Beveridge, um, uh, if some questions are asked about Beveridge, if they don't get a wriggle on. Uh, but they're not looking like it at the moment. Look, they've got a lot of good players in their side too. I mean, it's not like they are short of. Uh... And they may be in certain areas, but gee, they've got some really star players, and yeah, but they don't perform to the level of what they've got. No, and um, as Firewalker points out in the chat, some weird things like you know they had uh, English offered a very key part of the game, Pontempelli offered a very key part of the game. Uh, just, it's a very strange. I've often thought that Beveridge out tries to outsmart himself sometimes, and. Uh, He's not a smart fella, so it's not very hard to outsmart himself. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the big talking point as well was, um, and this was very interesting because, obviously, being um, 
part of the the Saturday games, there was a lot of there appeared to be a lot of North Melbourne supporters at that Port Adelaide game, and they were giving Jason Horn Francis everything, and uh, to the extent where it was um, made uh, an issue uh, post game by Ken Hinckley. Um, interested in your thoughts on that, Mac? Uh, you know, he's left, he's gone. Just leave it at that. I, I, I don't see any point what to carry about it. Um, I North Melbourne. Can only blame themselves. They took him in the first place when they had some fantastic offers and, uh, to trade that pick number one. In fact, for us, it worked out absolutely fine because we ended up with Dawson, Rochelle and Rankin with what we offered. But, uh, yeah, look, North Melbourne, wear it. Just wear it. He's gone. Yeah, it's not just North Melbourne. Um, he's been booed in other games uh, in Victoria by, you know, Collingwood fans and all that. I, I thought Ken made a very good point in the in the post match, um, and it's ironic that there's so much media around this when really it's the media that has driven a lot of this. Um, he's a 19 year old kid. Now, if my 19 year old kid was out playing football and people were giving him shit, I'd be extremely disappointed, and I'd be pointing fingers at those people that probably have 19-year-old kids of their own going, is that the way you treat your own kid? You know, I think there's a big difference between um, having a crack at a grown man and having a crack at a second-year player who's not even 20 yet. And yep. you can you can have your opinion about Horn Francis and that's all well and good, but um, it's clearly affecting the kid. And I, I just don't think it's necessary and I don't think it's terribly mature, to be honest with you. Well, as I only saw a part of the last quarter, and in that, in what I did see, he went very well in it. Had a great last quarter. Yep. Had a really good last quarter. Um, was instrumental in them getting over the line. I just, you know, there's been various players booed over the course of the journey. Adam Goods comes to mind, obviously, but Adam Goods uh, incited some of that, in my opinion, um, and also was a grown-ass man. Uh, not a 19-year-old kid. And I just feel like um, the media, the way the media has turned into tabloid press around AFL football over the last 10 years or so really contributes to the mass pylons that happen on social media and, you know, at, now at the footy grounds and all the rest of it. So the media can't throw its hands up and go, you know, everyone's terrible because they're giving him a hard time because they've been they've been implicit in this. Complicit. Totally agree. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, and then today, uh, Geelong played for a quarter and a bit and got their margin. They could have won this by 200 points if they'd have tried the whole game. Their second quarter was fantastic. Um, ended up winning by 47, 136 to 89 over West Coast, oh. who are in serious trouble. Yeah, they had a run of 12 goals in a row at one stage and it looked like they were going to win by a million goals. But uh, they went into, into uh, second gear, just uh, cruised to the line and uh, West Coast they got a, a few goals back and in the end it looked like quite a respectable loss. But uh, there was a massive difference in the quality between the two teams. Oh, 100%. Right? There's no doubt that the Cats put, took their foot off the pedal. It's almost impossible not to... In those circumstances, they it, it, the game was done at half time, and uh, that was that. 
Um, now, the next game, the afternoon game, was a cracker, um, and it came down to the wire, and future Crow Harry Himmelberg was the star at both ends, first of all doing a cornsy and taking a hang to uh, kick the winning goal, and then uh, being on the last line of defence a couple of minutes later to uh, just get a finger on uh, Jared Impey's attempt, and uh, the Giants end up winning by two. You stole my whole thunder there, Fee, because my, <laughs> my my man Harry, as I call him, um, yeah. yeah, exactly what you just said. I mean, he took a screamer with 90 seconds to go and, and kicked the goal and put them in yeah. front. And yeah. as you said, the opposition roared down there in, in the last dying seconds and uh, had a shot for goal, which was going to be a goal until a big, my man Harry leapt up and touched it and saved the game. And yeah. look, I'll yeah. tell you what. He's, there wouldn't be a better uh, swing man in the competition, I don't think. He can play full back, ten and a half back, ten and a half forward, full forward, and uh, you know, I, you know, we should be really into him at a hundred mile an hour. Him and Redmond, you know, just go a hundred mile an hour at him. Yeah, absolutely. It was lovely to see the Himmelberg clan in South Australia this weekend. They would have enjoyed the hospitality. Uh, I think they've moved down here, haven't they? I yeah, I think I did read that. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've they've moved down here. So uh, is that a um, song? Oh well, I mean, depends on who you listen to. Some of the people that I listen to have pretty much got it over the line, but you can never know about these things. Yeah, well, anyhow, Dawson will be in there ears because I mean, um, he, he was in Rankin's ear, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I I would love to have Harry here. He's uh, as you say, he's a very versatile player, Macker, and he was certainly instrumental in their win. Um, overall, though, the Giants would have been disappointed that it got that close. I mean, Hawthorne played well, um, but uh, the Giants would have penciled this in as a win going into the game, and irrespective of you know the unfamiliar conditions and all the rest of it, they would have been disappointed it got as close as this. But you, yeah, but if you look at the history of GWS. This is this is the, who they are. They keep yeah. winning the games. They keep losing the games uh, with a, with a team. And if you look at the players, they've got the quality of the players they've got compared to the opposition. They've got better quality players, and they lose. Yeah, yeah, uh, still not right there. Anyway, and uh, the late game this afternoon was also a very good game, and St Kilda sneaking up at the end there, nearly. Uh, Nearly turning it into a draw, but Collingwood hanging on by 6.70 to 64. Yeah, it was an interesting game because um, it was played on uh, Ross Lyon's terms. It was an absolute Ross Lyon game where, you know, nothing easy. Um, Defence was very, very strong by both sides. And, you know, to get a goal was so important if you could get a goal. And it, it sort of was, looked anybody's game until there were just a few minutes towards the end where... Uh, Collingwood got a couple in a go and a couple in a row, and they got three goal up. And you thought it's all over, but they got one at the one fifty one minute mark, um, and uh, then they got another one, the one twenty one minute mark. Sorry, and then they got another one at the fifty one minute mark, and they had fifty one seconds to get a draw, and uh, they tried, but you know it was a good game. It, it was. Um, Hard fought, but it wasn't high quality because 
It was very, very defensive in terms of uh, both sides. I thought Dacos was outstanding, in, you know, in terms of not being defensive. You know, he, he's so good. Um, but and Marshall was outstanding for St Kilda. But um, uh, it, it was a good game, and um, yeah, Collingwood too good in the end. Look, the only thing I'll say to that is you're right, Macker. It was played on Ross Lyon's terms, and I think ultimately that's always been the criticism of. Ross Lyon teams is that they will never destroy a team the games are always low scoring and therefore the the opposition are always in it right and mm. I wonder I wonder whether he can uh, evolve because uh, the game is being played by the exciting teams at the moment in a very attacking manner you know you look at uh, the way Collingwood play the Essendon play um, Adelaide um very attacking football, put on a, a big score very quickly. Um, and I don't know whether Ross Lyons' shutdown game is going to get them over the line simply because you're always leaving, you're always keeping the opposition in it. I think you're right. And I think they'll win a lot of games against the lesser side, but I don't think they can win a, fi- a final or certainly not major finals uh, with that style of game. Yeah, I mean, look, they've they've put on some scores this year. Don't get me wrong, but it's not been against great opposition. And you know, you come up against a team like Collingwood, who are, are skilled enough uh, to to withstand that and to match the pressure. And all of a sudden, it turns into a bit of a scrub. And I, I think this is where Ross has always fallen over: is that against really good teams, it's not good enough to keep it. Uh, the opponent at arm's length, you've actually got to put some scoreboard distance on them, and I think that's where his game plan struggles. Exactly. I see Frampton mentioned in the chat, and I must admit, Billy it didn't disgrace him as himself. He actually did some good things. I mean, he's still Billy, and he's never going to be a star, but he wasn't too bad. Yeah, and look, uh, shout-out too to Brad Crouch, who had an excellent game, and he's really thriving over there, and it's you know, we uh, were never a big fan. Well, I never was a big fan of Brad in the Adelaide system. And you could argue that the system itself was imploding at that point and probably was better was. for everyone that Brad moved on. Uh, but it's good to see the lad um, having some success over there. Had a great game today. Yeah, absolutely. That leaves us with the ladder, Macca. Uh, St Kilda and Essendon and Collingwood are now equal on 16 points separated by percentage, of course. Uh, Carlton alone in fourth um, with a terrible percentage, but the benefit of a draw. Um, Then we've got the Swans, Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane inside the eight on 12 points. And uh, then we have outside the eight on 12 points, Port Adelaide. Um, What odds are are, um, Port Crows final again this year, mate? It's... uh, Let's not let's not jump the gun, but wouldn't that be good again? Only if we were, only if we won, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Geelong sneaking up now on eight points, although they haven't really beaten anyone special yet. Um, I love Geelong's percentage of one hundred and nineteen. Um, Frio and the Giants and North and Western Bulldogs also on two wins. Uh, Richmond on a win and a half, looking shaky. The Suns, West Coast, and Hawthorne. Uh, you know, and this is where the Suns should be embarrassed, you know. Hawthorne are right at the bottom of their rebuild. Uh, West Coast are ravaged by injuries. Uh, Gold Coast, as far as I'm aware, are reasonably full strength 
and yet hit there they are sitting with the other two. That's what I say. I think you know Stuart Dew's not the answer, and um, you know I don't think it's the coach, Mac. I don't think it's the coach. What do you think it is then? I th- I just think it's the culture up there. It's not a football state. Uh, it's not at least Brisbane have the benefit of the Fitzroy connection and the Lions history and being the first and um, but set up far more like a football club. Um, you know, there's not been a lot of teams that have been successful over the period. Uh, in the Gold Coast, and I don't know. I just, you know, I they don't play. They play. They play games of football like training drills. They don't. There's no grit about them, is there? No, but if you look at back how uh, the Brisbane Lions used to be, until they brought in Fagan, and they brought in a top administrator, which they stole from. Us originally. Um, until you make it a proper football club, it's obviously not a proper football club in the way it's run. In the sense, Mac, are you suffering from memory loss? Brisbane were the most powerful side of the early two thousands. No, I'm going back before that. Yeah, they. they, they well, they. Did That's what I mean. When, 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 when they when they joined up with the Lions and they got Lynch and all that and. You know, they got a bit of history about them and they stopped being the Bears. That's when they started becoming powerful. And, of course, they, they benefited a bit from um, draft stuff and all the rest of it. But they were a bloody good football team and well-respected, whereas Gold Coast just don't shape up to me like a football team. It's almost like an exhibition club. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like real footy, does it? No, not oh, really. That, um, no. Well, they don't. They don't. They just, as you said, they don't look like they care like lots of other teams do. No, I don't think so. I, I, well, I don't, I'm sure they care, but it's a bit like trying. You know, there's trying and then there's trying, right? And uh, I just, I don't know. Anyway, let's move on because we're a Crows podcast, and of course, the Crows had probably their best win for the season. I'd say, Mac. To this point, 18 goals, 10, 118, 56 point winners over Carlton, 9 goals, 8, 62, if you don't mind. And uh, underpinned by an absolutely electric first quarter, um, as we said in the intro, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen for quite some time. No, uh, and also it was the quality of the football. You know, it wasn't the fact that, you know, we just bulldozed or anything like that, it was just the quality of it. And it, you know, it start. You know, the, the move of Dawson into the middle is was, was a magic. It just uh, made the whole how a whole uh, game from the middle totally different. I mean, I see that when they're talking about Dawson and rating him as a midfielder, he's rated as the best midfielder in the game at the moment on his on his performances. And um, yeah, it, it just you got Laird, who's uh, he just gives a he's got the grunt. And uh, Dawson's got the class, and made a crook old difference. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, you know, I mean, it's so pleasing that the club finally decided to tune into the Crowcast uh, because <laughs> the selection decisions they've made since doing that uh, after the loss to Richmond in round two have been spot on. And uh, we've seen the results. <laughs> but look, yeah, yeah. you know, Geordie into the mid- midfield has been a revelation. I don't think anyone, even his most ardent supporter, would have 
realise exactly how successful that... And we're only two games in. Let's not forget, we're only two games in to that move and he is going to come under a lot of scrutiny. But I don't, I don't think there's anyone that really thought that it would be as successful and that he would be as successful as he's been. Uh, as I said, I, I watched the guy play at Sydney and I could see and, and I, I could see he was building and building and building and we just got him at the point where he would still had growth left in him and yet he was third in their best and, best and fairest. This, this guy's just been building and building and, and he's still building and he is just, he's, he's got to be in the top, I reckon, half dozen players in the game. Well, if he's not leading the Brownlow at this stage, Macri would be very close because he'd have at least eight votes, in my opinion, um, yep. after five rounds. Um, and, you know, there's probably uh, the Dacos boy and maybe Jeremy Cameron around the place. Um, yeah, they'll be around. But, uh, aside from that, um, and Gatesy, no, that wasn't me <laughs> talking to Matty Nix at the post-match last week. And I am uh, I know who that was. That was a bloody reporter that I don't like. I've, his name just escapes me now, so I, I'm quite offended. <laughs> um, look, so, you know, um, let's just have a quick look at the team. Uh, there wasn't a lot of movement. I, Ned McHenry went back to sub um, following his good showing the week before, but... Um, it was good to see him still in the 23, but uh, we really had no choice but to bring Pedler back in, and I don't think uh, Pedler um, uh, disappointed with his input during the game. Uh, looked a little bit sore by the end of it, but uh, had a good game. Um, but again, was bit... it was just... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, Pedler was an interesting one because he had a dominant first quarter. If you go... Um, you know, by fantasy points. He had 33 points up in the first quarter, absolutely yeah. dominant. Yeah. And and he disappeared for the second and third and got a couple of leg in, in the last. So um, yeah. I, whether he just didn't get the opportunities or whatever, but, uh, yeah, he was very, very noticeable in the first quarter and um, he finished off well, but I think it was, there was a gap there where he wasn't so good. Yeah, we had a couple like that. I mean, um, Jake Saligo was pretty quiet for the night. Um, shocker. Uh, shocker. Well, see, it wasn't a shocker because he didn't make any mistakes. He just didn't get a lot of the ball. Um, Four. Four disposals. Yeah, but he's a kid, Mac, and, like, it's not as if we suffered because he wasn't involved. He just didn't... He was around the place quite often. He just didn't get the ball. And, you know, you, a kid's going to have games like that. And the position that he was playing, um, just, he, it wasn't as if he wasn't getting involved. He just wasn't getting the agate. Well, he, you know, he's actually suffering a little bit from Dawson moving into the middle because with Dawson going in the middle and you've got Jones playing good footy on one wing and Scholl playing good footy on the other wing, and, you know, and Saligo plays either midfield or wing... He's not getting the same opportunities either. He only spent 50% ground time as well. Yeah, well, he was subbed off for McHenry, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. So, and look, that's fine. It, it's his second year, second season, Macca. And look, we should be learning by now that these kids just, unless they're out-and-out out stars, and let's not forget, Jake Saligo was a mid, mid-draft mid pick. 40, uh, 41. So, you know, so... 
he's not in the top echelon of his draft year. He's um, not a hugely tall player. He's not built like a brick shit house or anything like that. He's entitled to have an off game, and I think we need to cool our jets firstly when we're pumping these boys up, but secondly when they have a few off games um, because that's just what happens. I'm a Saligo fan, don't get me wrong. I, I love Saligo. I think he's a great player. But, um, you know, Baxter said he, he, maybe he's carrying an injury or, or just had an off game. Well, it, it, was, it had to be something like that because it did not look like the normal Saligo, anyhow. But, we didn't, but here's the thing. We didn't suffer from his lack of involvement. Sometimes, no, there are ga- sometimes there are games where you just struggle to get involved for whatever reason. You're on the wrong side of the pack, the ball bounces the wrong way. Um, as you say, the positional changes, Mac are probably impacting on his role to a degree. You know, it's the same as people jumping off Sam Berry. Sam Berry has put through two of the best debut season or the best debut and follow-up season of just about any player in the competition. You know, league, led the league in tackles last year, etc., etc. People are writing him off, saying he's going to struggle to get back into the team. You've got to be bloody joking me, don't you? Well, I'm not writing Saligo off. I'm just saying he had a bad game. That was all. No, but I mean, that, what I'm saying is the mentality of a lot of people to jump off and on so quickly. You know, Sam Berry is a, a third-year player, and he'll be he'll be a, an integral part of our midfield, as will Jake Saligo. So. You know, I think we've got to be careful about labelling games as shockers, Macca, when a young kid doesn't get a lot of disposal. He, he just had an off night. He's a, he's a young player finding his feet. Yeah, look, he, it, the surprise to me was the fact he is always so good, so dependable, and he's there every week doing the right thing, and then we just had one that he wasn't. And then I guess that uh, it just stood out because he is always so good. But his, as you rightly point out, the fact that Geordie's gone into the middle means that Jake's role has changed. I he's, know. He's probably in different rotations. He's playing in different positions, you know, and that takes some time to get used to. So I'm not fussed at all. Anyway, look, before we get carried away with individuals too much, let's talk about the um, head-to-head scores. And we uh, we pumped them in disposals, 398 to 320, 242 kicks to 183. Uh, 156 handballs to 137 were pretty even on inside 50s. Our disposal efficiency was 5% greater, but that efficiency inside 50 macker is just what's blowing teams away at the moment. Uh, we had 33 shots from 51 inside 50s compared to 21 shots from 53 from uh, from Carlton, and it was and it it's evident. It was it was evident to me that one of the tactics was to try and get Kerno and, and McKay as far up the ground as possible, and a lot of the shots that McKay missed, uh, that Kerno missed, for example, were at or around the fifty metre mark. You know, they weren't easy shots at goal; they were long shots at goal at night with a cold ball, and yep. uh, it seemed to be a bit of a ploy to to let him come up and take his shots from outside fifty. Yeah, I think you're right because. Uh... I thought our defence was very, very good, actually, and that they did they forced that situation that, that um, by putting the pressure on the forwards that they had to lead right up and uh, kicking from long range. Yeah, spot on there. Yeah, uh, around stoppage, um, Rob had a very good night in terms of his hitouts. I'm not sure of the hitouts to advantage stats. Uh, they won the clearances. Uh, we won around centre uh, largely thanks to. 
Geordie Dawson's work and Rory Laird's work uh, in the middle. Um, but they, um, surprisingly, they were 10 up on clearances around stoppage. But again, Macker, it was like we were speaking about the other day, it seems to me that we're not over-committing around stoppage and we made it very difficult both in centre and also around stoppage for them to get clear exits out of that congestion. Yeah, yeah as you say, it depends what happens with the stoppage. You know, um, if yeah. it's just a little fraggy thing that goes 15 metres, well, it might be just handing you back the ball. Yeah, yeah, and often that's what it turned out to be. Um uh, possessions we had 156 to 130 contested 240 to 181 on the outside um, and uh, turnovers relatively even um, we had a lot of the ball um, as you can see they're 47% as opposed to 34% uh, in possession uh, aerially we absolutely destroyed them Macca absolutely destroyed them 116 marks to 71 which was you know indicative of our outside game but 20 marks to 7 inside 50. Yeah, well, that is very, very telling. And there were a couple of guys that took some very good marks up there. Uh, not Around the ground, or uh, 19 contested marks of 14. It, it's been a while since we've been consistently winning that stat as well. We haven't been noted aerially. Um, but everyone seemed to be going all right. Even Riley Thilthorpe took a couple of strong grabs. Um uh, down back, we had uh, people taking marks, um, 69 to 67 intercepts. It seemed, again, that our intercept across half-back. I thought, you you remember when we were previewing this game uh, last week, Macca, we were talking about the fact that for us to win, we were going to have to make sure that our half-backs, our, our, our third tools like Duday and uh, Hinge and Smith, would need to work very hard to assist Murray and Butts, and that's exactly what happened. I thought Duday, Hinge and Smith were all very, very good in that regard. Now, I've actually made that very same note, uh, Fiend, that, uh, and I threw Murray as well for because Murray's sporting was excellent. And, um, yeah, I just thought they would, and uh, McElhaney helped as well. I just thought they worked, the back line worked very well as a team. Yep. Um not a lot else to uh, to describe there in terms of the head-to-head stuff. Um, it was just very evident that we were able to control the contest. Our movement was far more fluid. Uh, we were extremely efficient um, going inside 50. But the pleasing thing for me was, Macca, because I'm sure most of the people watching this podcast or listening to the podcast would agree that a lot of the old... Um, Crow's PTSD nerves would have crept in at stages during the game when Carlton sort of knuckled down and started making it a contest. And at one stage, I think it got back to about 18 points or something like that. And there would have been a fair amount of people, myself included, thinking, uh, now we're going to, it's just going to be one of these classic Crow's fade outs like the GWS game, or uh, are we, are we going to steady? And it was very, very pleased, probably the most pleasing thing to me, is that we were able to withstand their pressure and in the end we, we won going away. Yeah, couldn't describe it better. And I did have a couple of heart flutters and um, shouldn't have, but, you know. But, you know well, that's because you're 105, Mac. You're entitled oh, to have a couple of heart flutters at your age. Mate, I've told you, I played half back for Jerusalem. Um, but, Just as um, Mac comes out in a 90 and that's the end of it. <laughs> 
Um, now to get me my thoughts back again. No, uh, there was a couple of times there. There was a couple of t- couple of times there when uh, they got within a couple three goals. But what I did like about it is the fact that um, we took it, we steadied, and each time just went back again, away again, and. Uh, the last quarter in particular, when we finished off really, really well and, and uh, really put them to the sword, that was that was great. Look, you know, and it's indicative of the fact, you know, many, including us, have been critical at times over how this rebuild has progressed and um, that we were very much focusing on ground ball and contested ball, etc., etc. But we're seeing the benefits now, Macker, in my opinion, of that baseline because we're a team that can roll our sleeves up as well as a team that can run and, and create and look like we did in that first quarter. And to me, I think that's the main difference between this Crow, the way this Crows team is building and uh, the Crows team of, say, 2015 to 2017 is that we always look vulnerable. We're always vulnerable to a counterattack, whereas we don't seem to be quite as vulnerable to a counterattack because um, we've built from that defensive base, right? Yeah, yeah. As I said, I thought they, the backline worked as a team and helped cover the other. Another uh, the other person was in trouble. They came and helped, and I, I thought it was really good. Yep. So, um, look, it's early days, right? It's early days, and Carlton are known to be pretenders, um, and. You could argue that there was a couple of games, or one game in particular, the GWS game, that we should have won in retrospect. So we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. And I don't think that the club will get ahead of themselves or the players. But it certainly is... Um, it certainly is uh, looking as if the, the club is heading in the right direction, the team is heading in the the right direction and one of the big questions that we had pre-season Macker about Nix's ability to turn a dour defensive team into an aggressive attacking team that, that's been answered right that's been answered yeah I, well I thought we were very aggressive at times um and I know we're not meant no I'm not allowed to mention individuals yet am I because there were a couple I thought that were really really good at it yeah, we'll get to individuals. And it's just been pointed out to me too, Mac, that you're wearing a blue and white top. I am. Why? Because I've been wearing it all day, mate. My na- <laughs> navy is my navy is my favourite colour. Look, I think you need to get onto the Crowcast merchandise shop and get yourself a hoodie. Um, I'm getting myself one this week, and uh, anyone else who wants to go. And uh, get some Crowcast merch, Macca. Can go to aflcrowcast.com and uh, all the merch is there. Some t-shirts and there's some hoodies and other bits and pieces. And um, get around it. I Hopefully we'll have mine in time for next week's podcast. Um, so I'll be able to report on what they're like. Um, now we are interactive as well, Mac. And we do have a very solid studio audience today. And someone who missed out last week who uh, always gives us some good input is Mick. And we'll invite Mick on to have a chat. How are you going, Mick? Good, thanks. And Fane, how are you going? Even if he's wearing his North North Melbourne jumper. Navy blue and white, mate. Yeah, it's bloody Carlton. (laughs) 
That's my favourite colour, navy blue. Okay, whatever, Maka. Um, yeah, I just noticed I, I went to the game the first first time last week uh, for the year, and um, I was really impressed with our centre work that game. But then coming into this game to see Dawson in the midfield is just he's changed our midfield completely. Yeah. Totally agree. I, I said to my wife that Dawson going the midfield has made us from a side to be, you know, I was tipping around, you know, 10, 11 on the ladder. He stays fit. We, uh, you know, I reckon seven or eight is possible. It's the delivery he can put into the forward line before the defenders even had a chance to blink and it's on someone's chest. And with the forward line we've got, it's bloody hard to stop him. He is incredible. I mean, he, just to prove your point, there's one stage there, he got the ball and he slipped over and he just took, got up, took one step and then pinpointed somebody right on the chest. And, and you know, he's just... Yeah, if, you watch, if you watch that bit of play, and I've watched it a couple of times, that bit of play, you're saying about Saligo having a shocker before Macca. Sligo was sitting there wide open waiting for a hand pass on the slipped over. Now, he was. You know, yeah, he got up. And there was me. I actually thought the same thing because uh, I had Sligo in a, in a draft team. I wasn't very happy with his score. So I went and looked back and watched the game again. There was probably four or five times where he was just totally burnt. He was wide open, ready to go, and they just didn't give him the ball. So he just had one of those games where what didn't run his way. I'm not worried about Saligo in the in the slightest. He was just ignored. Um, no. But another thing I will comment on that it had to be Jones's best game. That was what I was about Boy, to say before. Yeah, I was going. That's where I was going, and then I thought I better not mention players because they always get mm. in trouble when I do that. But yeah, yeah. well, I won't get. Because uh, I'm going to be jumping off and he can't yell at me, so I'm all right. Okay. Oh, he was out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was. I, he's so bloody quick. He, I think he's probably with a, you know one of the fastest players we've got in the club, and he is so quick and he, he's hard, and um, he's actually getting confidence and he's starting to believe he belongs out there, and that's. I think that's been the big knock on him. I think that's the thing that's been holding him back. Is he? He wasn't sure himself whether he belonged on the ground. I think he's starting to believe, and that's making a huge difference. You know, it's interesting, and you're 100% right. Like two years ago when he was playing games, and I think he played about 12 games that year, and his average possessions were eight. So he had no yeah. he had no confidence in himself at that stage. Last year, he, he got a few games, and he went a little bit better. But this is a new... A new Jones. This is a Jones that's believing in himself. He's bulked up. He's got brilliant pace, and he's got good disposal. I, I thought he was outstanding. Any doubt about him believing in himself and that goal, you know, showed you he does believe in himself. Because every other year, that would have gone out and bounced the full or got a, a point because he would have shanked it. But he just sent that straight through the middle. Like, he believed that he could do it. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Because, if you know, if we get him back... I think he actually you know, comes through with the school. Well, there's one draft pick we didn't burn. And even even um, 
little Ned, Ned McHenry. Like he'd come on, and he was only on there for a quarter, just you know, a quarter. But he's just come in with so much energy and so much uh, harassment that he, in that, you know, maybe he's a good sub because he just comes on and just smacks him. Agree with you say there, Mick. Well, well, summed up in my opinion. Now, Mick, your internet's no, not the best I, tonight. The uh, the uh, mice on the wheel aren't probably uh, running too hard. Uh, so, just one more, and then we'll uh, we'll finish you up. Yeah, I just got one more thing. I love Muzz's game. Ripper, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. All right, thank you. Very thank good, you mate. Take care. Well done. Good on well you. Done, mate. Now, I did yeah. see Gates' uh, hand up, uh, Mac, but uh, he's... Oh, there he is. Uh, Gatesy. what are we doing here? Come on, mate. How you going? Hi, boys. How are you going? G'day, Gatesy. Very good. Oh, my God. I went... Did you guys go to the game? No. No, I was at a party. Oh, that night, no. I was at the party, Phoenix. No, that was Macca. party on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Macca. Uh, I just want to say, my boy Darcy Fogarty had a great game coming back from injury. Five goals, uh, sixteen disposals. Uh, Jordan Dawson, Roy Led, they played really well. Um, and I think we kept Kerno and Cripps pretty quiet. You know, they're, they're probably Colton's biggest names. Yep. And you know, Kerno had like. Kerno had two goals. Cripps had 19 disposals. I just think I'm so proud of the team, you know, and I think I've got them to win against Hawthorne next week. Well, I think that's a pretty safe bet on paper anyhow. Um, who, who was your best three players, mate? Best three? Uh, Fog, Fogarty, Dawson, and Rochelle. Oh, how can you go past Laird? I was going to say, we you slept go past Laird. Jesus. <laughs> 37 disposal. Come yeah, on, yeah, bit... Nah, it's a bit biased. Rochelle is one of my favourite players, so. Yeah, no. Him up there. I think the best three, the best two picked themselves in Dawson and Laird, and it's only a question of your third one, mate. Yeah. 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 Rochelle uh, uh, burnt the ball a little bit, so uh, he'd be down. Yeah. I reckon I'd have Chase ahead of him. Probably. Phoenix, can we talk yeah. about your tipping, mate? Your 19th. No, no, we actually can't talk about my tipping. We can talk about my fantasy footing. We can definitely talk about my fantasy footy, but not my tipping, no, no. What about Baxter at first? Baxter's first, 32 points. Yeah, there's a a steward's inquiry with Baxter. Um, Yeah, I think he's on some... uh, He needs to be drug tested after this week. Yeah, I think he's putting in his tips after the game. Uh, I think you'd yeah, hack, hack the site. Definitely. So, thanks, Gatesy. Good on you, mate. Thank you, boys. Thank you. And uh, to any other of the twenty-five people we've got on the studio chat, or anyone else that's chatting in the live show chat, or any of the hundred people that we've got currently watching the live stream on YouTube, Mac. If any of you guys want to come in and have your say, like those two fine gentlemen just did. Uh, feel free we are live and interactive and we thank everyone who joins us and gives us their opinion it's greatly appreciated uh, as long as you don't sound smarter than us because then you get kicked off oh absolutely now mac 
Let's just go through some individual players, but I want to highlight not only the overall stats, but also the first quarter stats of a couple of people. Let's have a look at Rory Laird. Because Laird's first quarter was ridiculous. 16 disposals, 5 kicks, 11 handballs, 2 marks, 2 tackles, 1 goal, 1. He had 6 contested possessions. He had 10 uncontested, only turned it over twice, kicked a goal, as I said, um, assisted another. It was just exactly how you want Rory Laird to play, isn't it? It was a masterclass in in, in being an inside distributor, right? 100%. In fact, his figures would have been a couple couple better. I think he was on the end of a couple of uh, umpiring shockers. Once when he tackled yeah, somebody, he was sort of pushing the back, and then the identical thing happened to him, and it went went for holding the ball, and they were only about a couple of minutes apart, and I thought, is this a lead campaign against him or something? You know, shocking. Yeah. But lead, but lead himself was outstanding. Yeah, 10 centre bounce attendances, four clearances, three of them in the centre, um, two tackles, one inside 50, one rebound 50. Um, you know, he already had 58 fantasy points a quarter time. Um, it was just spectacular from from Laird. Dawson was the other one in the first quarter as well. Um, he had 13 disposals, nine kicks, four handballs, two marks, three tackles, kicked a point, um, three contested possessions. He, he's the perfect foil for a guy like Rory Laird. Um, Absolutely. Mm. And I've got to also commend um, Riley O'Brien, not so much for his tap work because that was its usual mixed bag but Riley O'Brien's ability to become a, sec- a, a secondary midfielder in uh, when the ball hits the deck the amount of times you'll see Riley O'Brien actually get a secondary possession and dish it out to a runner um, it can't be underestimated Macca no he actually I, I thought he had overall a good game for that very reason Anyway, Geordie, as I said, uh, three contested, eight uncontested possessions. He had two goal assists, took two marks, two uncontested. Uh, 250 metres gained in that first quarter, Macca. Yeah, that was a good first quarter. Three tackles, four inside 50s. Um, was clearly instrumental in our fast start. Those Those two lads there, irrespective of the rest of the game, those two lads there, it was just incredible... Uh, along with cameos from from others coming through, you know we had bloats running off half back. We had bloats coming off the wing. Um, you know it it was just all set up though, in my opinion, by Rory Laird, uh, Riley O'Brien secondary work, and Geordie Dawson obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, but then you also can't. And there was a bit of a discussion on Big Footy this afternoon about this. But you also can't. Uh, underplay the fact that when we had blokes streaming through the middle our forward line is so functional right now and it's a real credit to James Raleigh and and the staff that are working with the forwards at the moment and the connection between the mids and the forwards because there's a lot of space there's a lot of options and everyone seems to know exactly what their role is at the moment up forward and so many times we were able to kick it straight up the bloody throat of the goals because everyone else had cleared out and given room for whoever the designated leader was at that moment. Yeah, that used to be one of our problems. Uh, even last year, the year many many times, where 
would be kicking to a bunch of players all the time. You know, they hadn't spread far enough, but they are spreading at the moment, and it gives you options all over the place. Yeah, so normally coming out of the middle like that, it would be a high bomb into the into the forward line, and quite often it would either be nullified or marked by a defender, and the ball would come straight out, and we wouldn't get any value at all for those centre clearances or that, that transition work. But when you've got blokes like Lukey Peddler and Benny Keyes willing to clear out, and, and even Isaac and Joshua Shelley when he's down there, willing to clear out uh, to, to A, provide options, but B, to provide enough space for Tex and Fogarty um, and those sort of blokes to come in and, and have clear avenues for a lead-up is just unstoppable. Yeah. It, it's interesting because um, they are definitely all pulling their weight and they're all doing it in different ways, you know, whether, they, whether they're an assist or whether they um, are the key uh, player involved in it, but that, that, they're all pulling their weight. That, that said, Macca, in that first quarter, I do think that we benefited from Carlton not turning up. They clearly didn't turn their clocks forward or back or wherever it needed to go. They turned up half an hour late because after quarter time they were much more accountable. But in that first quarter they weren't chasing, they weren't running two ways. Uh, you know. Uh, but the fact was that we, made, we took uh, full advantage of them being off the boil and in the end, it gave us enough of a buffer that we were able to, you know, to not have to be too aggressive and, and uh, take too many risks to keep the game under control. Yeah, look, it, the first quarter in any game is always important because you can set the tone for the game if your minds are switched on. And it, and it equally uh, goes the other way around. Yeah, I don't think they were totally switched on. I mean, uh, I've never seen us more switched on than we were. Um, and... Um, it was interesting. Nick was talking about that, and he was talking about the bright lights. You're playing. You're playing in the bright lights, and by that he meant you're a Thursday night. You're the only game playing. You're the the first game in uh, the gather round. All of Australia is going to be watching you. That's what he meant by being in the bright in the bright lights. And he said that what we have to do is enjoy being in the bright lights. And uh, and I think you know he just got their minds and uh, tuned right and. Uh, Carlton, who regularly get these get type of games, went off, and uh, they weren't. Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're still yet to see uh, our side in a real pressure cooking environment like a final, etc. But it is again something that I that I was alluding to at the beginning of the podcast. How we look less flaky, you know. We we have a propensity in big games in the past to. Uh, to get overawed and uh, or to let a big lead slip um, because of that flakiness. But as I said earlier on, the difference now is that we have that, dis- that we have that work ethic and that blue collar nature to our side. That when we need to roll up our sleeves, we seem to be able to do so. And there were various times during the night uh, where Carlton did get a little bit of momentum and, and got a, had a bit of uh, control of the game. But it didn't hurt us too much on the scoreboard because we were able to turn it into a contest, which wouldn't have been the case previously, Macca, in, in, with previous squads. You know, we were we were prone to giving, a, giving up a lot of goals during momentum shifts, whereas that doesn't seem to be, over the last couple of weeks at least, we seem to have tightened that aspect up. And, and that comes down to how many players are still giving their all. And the interesting thing was that 
you know, I'll point out Sligo had a one-off bad game, but um, um, if you look at all the players on the ground, you, it's very, very hard to find another player that you would say had, uh, had a stinker. And I, I thought that they all kept at it all day. Well, see, there you go, t- saying that Saligo had a stinker. No, I, I'm not saying... I said he, he had... I had started off by saying he had an off day. And uh, I said, but none of the players... You're trying to put words in my mouth. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not at all. Let's not argue about grammar. Let's talk about players. I don't know. I've never met your grandma, so... Um, yeah, all right. Let's talk about players. So let's. The other one that... Um, well, let's look at Letty's uh, full game stats, shall we? Um, because they were pretty impressive. Um, he had 37 disposals, 11 kicks, 26 handballs, which is a bloody lot, but they were all going to targets. Uh, three marks, six tackles, kick one goal, two. As you can see from his heat map there, did most of his work in between the arcs, uh, but did get back and forward a little bit. Um, 70% disposal efficiency, is pretty good. 18 contested possessions, if you don't mind. 22 uncontested. And with all those possessions, only turned it over five times. Um, had 16 score involvement. Uh, sorry, 15 score involvement, Smacker. So he was uh, involved in the chain a lot of the time um, when we were able to get the ball into scoring positions. Um, obviously, aerially, three marks, they were all uncontested. Um, 295 metres gained, which is still good considering he's working in tight. Um, his clearance work, nine clearances, six at the middle, three around stoppage, uh, six tackles, two inside 50s, one rebound 50. Um, and as I said at, at the outset, that was probably the perfect game from your inside mid. Yeah, he's going to get two brown low votes. Definitely going to get two. Yep. Uh, Geordie's full game stats: thirty-two kicks, twenty-one, uh, thirty-two disposals, twenty-one kicks, eleven handballs, four marks, nine tackles. Uh, only kicked a point. Um, he had ten contested and eighteen uncontested possessions. Um, only turned it over five times out of thirty-two touches. Um, eleven score involvement. Smacker uh, took four marks, five thirty-seven meters gained. Um, Attended 28 centre bounces for seven clearances, five at, sto- uh, five at centre, two at stoppage, nine tackles, ten inside 50s, one rebound 50. Um, as I've said the last couple of weeks, he's our Bontempelli slash Pendlebury slash yep. whatever other big play, big midfielder you want to... And he uh, wasn't on directly on Crips much of the time. Uh, but he gave Crips a bath. Absolutely. And there's three Brownlow votes there. He, I, his game is enormous. And you've got to add in the accuracy of his kicking as well. Thing. Well, that's the thing. You know, those inside 50s, uh, I'd love to know the stat of how many resulted in uh, goals or shots on goal because I reckon it would be all 10. Yeah. I, um, I, think, no, I think I did hear that. I think it was 9 out of 10. So, you know, it's been a revelation. The, the, the test for Geordie is going to be when he starts getting some uh, attention. And he will get attention, Mac. He'll start getting scragged. Uh, he'll start getting blocked. Um, and uh, the next, I reckon, the next month is going to be really key for him, uh, particularly against Collingwood and St Kilda. 
Yeah, I have a lot of faith in him. He uh, He's not a guy who gets thrown by anything. Um, I thought at times they did try to block him, but... and. I just I watched him and uh, he just he just sort of accepts it until the ball is in the air and then he starts to move and uh, yeah he's he's a star uh, and uh, you're right they'll try and curtail him and but some days they may succeed but it's going to be hard for them. Well, the thing of it is the thing that I like about Geordie and it's it's a quality that those two other players that I mentioned had particularly in their halcyon days is. He keeps his feet, Mac. He gets buffeted and blocked and bumped and all the rest of it, but he doesn't go to ground. Yep. And and as long as he's up on his feet, he's dangerous. And a lot of his keep gets his arms free. He's able to, and you know, he's got good support at the moment from uh, blokes running past and our, our outside players, our wingmen and running halfbacks, etc. But his ability to keep his feet and to clear the ball out of congestion is what makes him really, really valuable. And it is very comparable to those other two players I mentioned. His, his vision and his ability to spot targets is so quick and it compared to the average player. And then it's the perfect pass onto their chest. You know, he's just so good. So, and I want to just put to you, Mac, that I know that I have to keep dragging you back into the present because you you like bringing up you know, draft losses and all the rest of it that we've had in the past. But when you look at it as a whole and you see that we got Jordan Dawson for pick 18 and you think to yourself, I'd hate to be a Swan supporter. <laughs> oh, yeah, they they would be spewing. And I think they are spewing, apparently, um, when they see a guy like Dawson. Because he was still in growth mode. Pete. He wasn't, he was starring and he was their third yeah. and best and their best and fairest, but he was on the way up. If you draw his graph, he was still on the way up, as you can see by the fact of where he's got to in the two years with us. Yeah. Um, you know, so it swings around about, mate. Some, you get some hits and you get some misses and some blokes go higher than they should and some blokes are a bargain. And, uh, you know, Geordie was a bit of a bargain and uh, he will be a linchpin for our midfield for a very long time, in my opinion. Um and I say all of that because the next bloke I want to talk about is Chase Jones, who has been subject to a lot of scrutiny over the journey. And I would consider that this game was pretty much a breakout game for Chase. Uh, 28 disposals, 18 kicks, 10 handballs, 9 marks, 1 tackle, kicked a beautiful goal. Um, he had 11 contested possessions, 18 uncontested possessions, uh, 8 turnovers, 8 intercept possessions, Took nine marks all on the outside, uh, one mark inside 50, of course, which resulted in that goal. 446 metres gained. Uh, he had two clearances around stoppage, uh, four inside 50s, four rebound 50, so he's running up and back. I dare say that Chase Jones is benefiting from having a very defined role macker in a very organised team. Well... He had a very good game last week, but as you say, this was the breakout game where he looked like he was one of the stars of the game. And, um, yeah, and as I say in the chat, cemented his spot. And, you know, he's he's actually worked, and he must have worked very, very hard because he's bulked up, he's strong, but he hasn't lost any of his pace. He's got electric pace, and his kicking, I thought, was excellent. He's Overall, he hit most targets uh, with, with his kicks. And... Uh, you know, you and I, 
we're guilty, but uh, most of South Australia is. We bagged him, and we said, you know, how the hell did we get it? Uh, how, how did we get a player like Jones? No good at, at that pick number. We're all guilty don't, of it. Don't, ro- don't roll me into your criticisms, mate. No, no, I'm rolling you right into it, mate. Yeah, I'm wrapping you right up to it because we all did it. But he has proved us wrong, and, and I'm glad he has. And I'm, I'll say, give an apology to him because he's, he is a damn good player and he is going to be... I, he should really use that as confidence now to be the real, really good player that he can be. Yeah, I'm going back through the video like Scoot suggests, and congrats, Scoot, for uh, I think you got off the got off the uh, the the donuts in fantasy this week. Well done. Um, yeah, look, I I really just think that like remember how many times we used to say that Chase looked lost on the field, and yeah. I just feel like. He has a very clear role now in a side that is improving. Um, you know, obviously drafted at six or wherever he was, we we're expecting or hoping, I guess, that he would be a linchpin in the midfield. It didn't turn out to be that way. Um, and therefore, he was. we spent a fair bit of time trying to work out where he fit, Mac. And at the same time, our team was very young and inexperienced and uh, very disorganised. Um, and I really do think that now that we have some structure and we have some good players um, and, you know, the heat is off Chase to, you know, uh, deliver on pick six and he can just go out and play with a very clear role and a very clear head, he's doing exceptionally well. And, I, and I, I'm so pleased that we were wrong, Pete. I'm pleased that he's actually be becoming the player that he, that he is. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I just loved his game. Yeah, I... I must admit, uh, it's a it's a really it's it's a real feel good story from my perspective. And look, again, long way to go, long way to go, but um, his trajectory is heading in the right direction. I feel like he's playing the right role for this team uh, right now, and yep. uh, good on him, good on him. Um, all right, now another bloke that, and no one can accuse me of this, but certainly others, Macca. Others were jumped off Tom Duday like he was on fire. And uh, I just want a few of those people, and uh, I think yourself is one of them. I'd certainly think Peter Jay is another if he's listening. Uh, 24 disposals, 17 kicks, 7 handballs, 10 marks, 1 tackle, um, 84% of his work done in the back half, of course. Uh, 18 uncontested possessions, 6 contested uh, eight intercept possessions, uh, five score involvements, um, four eighty-eight meters gained. Um, I haven't got his spoil stats here because I'm just using the phone app, but he was integral to us being able to hold uh, the twin towers of Kerno and McKay. Uh, best game I've seen Tom play for ages, but he finally looks to be playing the right role as that third man up. And injury free. Well, I'm not guilty of bagging the living daylights out of do they? Um, he had oh, no, no. You, you try, I always cast throw, try and throw it on me. Um, and Peter J is very guilty of it. But, but um, very good. No, jumped off, jumped off very hard, Pete. If you if you're listening, jumped off very very hard. He did. Um, 
But no, he we had some quiet games, but um, I thought he was outstanding and definitely our best players um, on the weekend. And as you say, playing the role that he is best at, which is as the intercept player, and uh, yeah, and he saved us time and time again with these intercepts. And uh, he's he was high in our best players. Yeah. Uh, now a lot of people were speculating that he'd go to Geelong. Uh, he still hasn't signed, obviously. Um, and a lot of people weren't disappointed that he was going to go to Geelong and people were licking their lips about what we'd get for Compo and all the rest of it. I don't reckon any compensation that we'd get from Diday, and I don't think we'd get anything higher than a band two, probably band three, would uh, compensate us for what he gives our side. I don't want to lose him. No, I, I want us to re-sign him. Yep. Uh, so... Um, Hopefully he does. Hopefully he's on board with what's happening. He's obviously in our leadership group. Um, you know, certainly his socials reflect that he's uh, fully, fully on board. Um, and he, he keeps, and look, you know, people in the chat are saying that he's benefiting from other players stepping up. Well, that's exactly right. That's part of what playing in a team is all about. And yeah. when Tom had to cover the second tall um, and be a lockdown defender and all the rest of it, and he was playing with a broken hand for half the season last year. You know, that's, that's not who Tom Duday is. He's a solid uh, third man up, um, can play tall or small, um, and provides us with a very good outlet um, as well. And uh, that's the role that he played against Carlton on Thursday night, and he played it to perfection. Yeah, no, he, he played a slashing game. And, uh, you know... Uh, some of the past games, uh, I think it was late last year, he played with a broken hand. Um, but and, you know, and he, his form might have not been so good. But uh, no, he's been he's been building. He hasn't been quite where he should have been, but he was spot on on the weekend. Yeah, and a lot of people have been critical of our defence and the fact that it's a bit hodgepodge. And you and I have spoken about our doubts about uh, Brody Smith in particular and Wayne Miller in particular. Uh, both those lads had pretty decent games uh, on. Um, Thursday night, uh, probably the best game I've seen Junior play for a while, um, and Brody Smith was very solid without too many brain farts. The one though that I think uh, has really made a difference is Mitch Hinge in that back six. Oh, you stole another line I was going to raise, Fee. Um, yeah, but Hinge is good on a wing, but he is so much better in the back lines because. Um, he he had a top game down down back, and as you say, they played as a team. Do they intercepting? Uh, Hinge got, got, uh, mopped up some of the stuff that got passed. He's also good at ground level, and he's got good disposal coming out the back lines. No, I thought he had a good game, really good game. Yep, twenty four kicks. Uh, sorry, twenty four touches, eighteen kicks, six handballs, seven marks. Um, he had 14 uncontested possessions, eight contested possessions, only turned it over four times, had eight intercepts, uh, one goal assist, nine score involvements back from halfback, uh, took seven marks, one, un- uh, one contested and six uncontested, 430 metres gained, um, two inside 50s, two rebound 50s. Um, you know, I've, I've always liked him. Um, he can at times ball watch a little bit. He can at times just have a little bit of a brain fade. And he is very left-sided. He hasn't got a right side at all. Probably even worse than bloody Benny Keys in that regard. But his left foot is laser-like. Um, you know, probably second only to Geordie in our team in terms of 
being able to lace out passes. And um, I think that Tom and, and Mitch uh, are a very good combination of medium size, agile, athletic, um, you know, third tools in our defence. Totally agree, mate. And they both played well. Yep. Um, you know, without running too many through too many other players, Miller had 23 touches, 14 and 9. Uh, Smithers had 21 and 4, uh, sorry, 14 and 7. I thought Brody played particularly well, actually, um, his best game for a while. Um, Sloney had 17 touches, 7 and 10. I thought he did what he needed to do, Rory, and he stood up in... The, the good thing about having Sloney in the team, in my opinion is when the game comes back to him a bit, um, he's rock solid and he did some really good things. In the, We're able to move him into the mid-rotations when we need a, a cool head and uh, he, and that grab that he took up forward uh, that ended up in Fogarty's hands for that nice goal was just indicative of the fact that he does play tall with his great overhead. Yeah, I've got nothing much to add to that because I think you summed it up beautifully. And... Um, we we doubted at the beginning of the year that whether he could actually hold his place in the in the team because of the fact that we had so many young players on the rise and uh, Rory was coming back from a very serious injury. But you know, um, I'm very very pleased to see that Sloney, well, he's he's playing very good footy and uh, he has got a calm head when things are going against us. And uh, yeah, it's good to see him back. And uh, I don't think he'll be there next year, but. Um, I think he's good for us this year. Well, he's got a role to play and he's playing it. And, you know, while while that's happening, um, you know, uh, we can't complain. Um, Benny Keys, uh, nine and seven, uh, kicked three goals. Um, his work rate is second to none. His ability to create options and create space is invaluable there. And he's another one where, where we just need a, a fresh set of legs and a bit of energy through the midfield, we can chuck him in for a few rotations. Um, let's see how many rotations he actually came in for. Took five marks, uh, six contested possessions, 11 uncontested, only turned it over twice. Uh, had nine score involvements. Uh, let me just see. Only attended two centre bounces, uh, but one of those was a clearance, Mac, and that's the value of him, that you can chuck him into the middle, and he'll give you some energy. Um, yeah, and was, that's that's his value. He was well. He was more, he was worth more than that because he actually uh, he tagged Saad out of the game. Saad is the one who gives him great drive from the back lines, and he neutralised Saad to a great effect. I don't think that he tagged Saad. I think that Saad was particularly unaccountable. I mean, they were well, playing on each other, no doubt about it. They were playing on each other. But I don't think it was a, necessarily a hard tag from Keyes. I think that Saad played off him. Well, I think that was the plan, though, is to put Keyes on Saad because he's, he's done it before. And, um, yeah, and Saad had very little impact on the game. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think Saad is a bit soft, actually. And Keyes, is, Keyes will just outwork him. Basically, and that's and that's what Benny did. He just outworked him. Um, he didn't try to shut him down. Saad still, I think, had seventeen possessions or something like that, which is down for him, but um, still seventeen touches. But they weren't terribly effective. Um, and you know, any defender that has three goals kicked on them by by a, you know the sixth forward, 
um, yeah. has not ha- has not had a good game. Exactly right. Yep. Um, Darcy Fogarty had an excellent game. Um, you know, it's so good to see him come on and take the game by a scruff of the neck. 13 kicks, 3 handballs, took 10 marks, kicked 5, 3, Macca, um, and uh, 5 contested possessions, 10 uncontested, only turned it over once, as you'd expect. 12 score involvements. Um, his marks inside 50. Seven of his 10 marks were inside 50. Three of them were contested. Um, you know, it's just... You know, him and alongside Chase Jones, so maligned in their last few seasons, it's just, it's fantastic. To, I'm so happy to see Darcy step up like this. Yep. Um, in, it was in Darcy's hands to do it. Um, and, uh, he's, you know, he finally uh, got really serious about wanting to be the player that he's capable of, of being. And, he, and he's getting there very, very fast. So I thought, he, again... He was outstanding on the weekend. Not weekend, Thursday. Yeah. Um, Tex also played well for three goals, three, had uh, 10 and five with nine marks. Um, Isaac, relatively quiet, I thought, but um, did enough when the ball was in his area. Um, I thought Geordie Butts was reasonably good um, down there, although Nick Murray, I think, even though they had almost identical stats, Nick Murray seemed to be the one that was aerially... Um, far more um, win, winning far more aerial contests um, Nick against both Kerno and Harry Mackay at times I think Murray's gold absolute gold I mean he's a, a raw recruit country boy that's rolled up and they picked him up and it was a mid-season draft off memory and um, you know he's strong he's got an enormous leap on him he's got no fear whatsoever and He's just getting better and better every, you know, as, as he plays more and more games, he's getting better. Oh, I, lo- I love him as a player. And I thought, again, you know, when you can play against the quality of the players that he was on the weekend, and, you know, they've been taking other good players to the cleaners, no, well done by Murray. Yeah. Um, and just on Rankin again real quickly, um, I forgot to mention that first goal that he kicked uh, from Eddie's pocket on the wrong side, uh, that was just spectacular. Wasn't it just? Oh, you, you know, we could see the, uh, from the camera lighted up beautifully and you thought, geez, he can't really kick back, can he? But no, he the, it, it, it's the wrong angles, but he uh, snuck it through. It was a very good goal. Um, Max was serviceable, 10 and 7, did what he needed to do. Same with Riley Thilthorpe, I thought. Did what he did to, needed to do. Took a nice couple of clunking marks there. Uh, which is what you want to see, and he's just sort of building nicely. I, I felt like we used Thilthorpe a little bit, um, sort of to keep Waitering under control. Like half the time, it felt like we were using kicking the ball away from Riley, uh, and Waitering obviously being the tallest defender had to go with him. Yeah, that's it was a probably bit a hard very good to tell point. on the TV though. Well, Wittering's an outstanding backman, and, you know, if he can get into the play, he marks everything that comes along. He's probably one of the very, very best in the AFL. So um, you could well be right with that tactic, thing because um, uh, Phil Thorpe was on him a lot, and it did keep him out of the play quite a bit. Yeah, um, and when he got up the game, I also thought Riley did quite well when he uh, when he got on the ball. Um Lukey Pedler uh, started off like a gun, like you said. Oh, I, I love this kid. 
I can't wait until his tank builds and his body holds up a little bit more because he he did look sore by the end of the game um, mm. uh, a couple of times there, and it looked. I hope it's not osteoarthritis pubis because a few times he looked a bit. He looked a bit. Looked like he was stretching his abdomen and through the groin areas. So, well, um, I hope he holds up because he's an absolute jet. It's turning almost turning into my favourite player, Luke Pedler. Well, a fit Pedler is a very, very good player, and um, and he can be a, a not only a weapon, you know, a half forward flank. You know, when he's at, when he gets uh, a fair few games behind him and gets his. Uh, fitness to absolutely superb condition he, he can be a midfielder as well and a very damaging midfielder as well oh, so no doubt about it he will be a ball in the midfield mac he really will yeah. if, if you can imagine um you know rotations of laird berry peddler um you know busting packs and then um you know geordie and rochelle and maybe a bit of rankin uh for the silk it's a very good six or seven man rotation it is isn't it and that's what you need. You need that depth. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nettie, when he came on, I thought was really good too. Um, provided energy, kicked a goal um, up and about, um, you know, and it's, you know, he he's doing everything that you'd ask of him, um, you know, and it's not bad to have these guys on the fringes, Mac, like McHenry and um, Murphy's another one who I thought was quite good. You know, these boats that will come in and do a job, it's not bad to have them uh, around there putting pressure on the, the first 22. Yeah, you know, Mercy might not be the best player in the team, but by God, he's, he's one of the bravest in the in the team. He puts his body and his head in where I wouldn't. Well, as I said, we're, we're using him correctly. We're playing him as a high half forward, but we're not dump kicking onto his head. We're using him as a secondary around stoppage. And we're using him as a link-up player, and a you know a bloke that can break up um, defensive exits out of our forward fifty. That's his role. He's excellent at ground level. Uh, he's underrated by foot. He's great around stoppage, um, and he's playing his role. And I think that's where things are starting to click. Maybe even for the coaching panel, Mac, is that the team is starting to take shape in terms of where players are best suited. Exactly. I, I think that's 100% correct. And um, Dawson into the midfield and the shuffles that around that have really formulated uh, where players play. And I'd say every player at the moment is playing in their right spot. Um, he said, well, we say Pedler could eventually be a midfielder. So, but at the moment, he's more suited to the half-forward flank. So... Yeah, I think you got it right. I think that uh, at the moment, every player is probably playing in the right spot. Yep. You know, and we, if you have a look at our bloody SANFL team that's going to be put, going on the deck next week, you've got Gallant and McCannum up forward with Himmelberg. You've got um, Harry in the middle with, um, uh, you know, Zach Taylor and, and those blokes. You got, it's a, they'll, they'll beat whoever they're playing by about 50 goals, I reckon. Worrell down back. I know, it's a very good thing. Um, yeah, you mentioned McAdam. I mean, he is so good, it's hard to think that he can't come back in the side, but where does he come back? Well, uh, it's an interesting question that you raise because it's very easy to forget 
what Shane brings um, because it's not only the flashy marks and all the rest of it. He does a lot of good work defensively when he's on board um, and when he's uh, when he's switched on. Um, I still think he's valuable part of the team, Macker, and, and had he not been suspended, he wouldn't have been dropped and we wouldn't be seeing McHenry, you know, or, or Murphy potentially. Um it's it's going to be an interesting one to see how they slot him in. Yeah, I mean, he's too good a player not to be in the side. Um, yeah, I think he has to be in. Because he's airily, he's good, and he's good at ground level. Um, so um, he'll, he'll have a run in the twos this week. Um, but, you know, you'd think that next game, you know, he's got to be really considered, and I don't know where. Well, I think maybe he, maybe he forms part of a... Uh, Part of a rotation with Keys and Murphy, Macca, so that we can change up the way that we look. Um, you know, they're all uh, defensive players as well as you know offering some attacking flair. That you know they offer something different. But I think that's probably where that sits. I think you you have um, Murphy and Keys as ground level sort of, you know, energizer bunnies, but you can chuck McAdam into there as well as something a little bit difficult and that's a different and that's what makes us difficult to match up on. I think that's probably how that works. Who comes out though? God, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. The, whoever it is, and this is the beauty of it, whoever it is that comes out is going to be damn unlucky. Absolutely. And you've also got Barry uh, who was always a first choice player. And uh, he he obviously wasn't a hundred percent right, and, he, and now he's hopefully back and well again. Um, I think he'll probably play a game or two in in the twos to get his form right back up again. But then it, he will be wanting to force his way back in the side, and so at his best, he's definitely in the side. So it, we're actually getting into a situation where instead of just having twenty two good players, we're probably getting to that. 25, 26 good player, uh, Mark, which, yeah. is what you need, which is what you need. Yeah. Um, you know, Harry and Sam are probably fighting for Jake Saligo's spot at the moment. You would have put um, you would have put Chase into that category at the moment, but I think Chase has put a bit of a distance between himself and and uh, uh, the, the SNFL team. Um, yep. Rory Sloan eventually will come into that conversation. Um, I think as well, um, mm. but you dead said right, Macca. This is exactly the the squad profile that you want, where you've got blokes that could very easily be picked in the first twenty two that aren't being picked at the moment. Yeah, I was, I, and on the weekend I was looking at our whole squad in totality, and if you wanted to, normally it's very normal to delete the uh, list. Sorry. Um, five to six players at the end of each season. And I, I was looking through there and I struggled to find five or six I wanted, wanted, would want to do the list. So um, we're starting to get somewhere because a lot of our boys that aren't playing in the team are only first or second year players. And, you know, you've got to give them an opportunity to build up their tanks and their engine and uh, their, and their uh, getting used to the higher levels and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting about a year in because... There's not too many there that are passengers. Well, and, you know, I think we as supporters are going to have to get used to a very difficult fact and hopefully 
well, it'll be very interesting to see how the um, how the club deals with this and maintains culture. Some of these blokes are going to be trade bait. Well, it could be interesting because that's what a lot of clubs do, of course. I mean, Port uh, did that with Amon, um, who was, I thought, close to their best player last year. And it's, and it's probably, uh, and he's playing very good football for Hawthorne. But that gave them a draft pick, which enabled them to do do trades. So, yeah, and we might have, we might be maybe not so much in this year, but certainly I reckon by end of next year, certainly we'll be in that position. Yeah, there there will be a couple of players who feel like they could be first twenty two in another club that will seek opportunities somewhere else, um, and there'll be a couple of players that, for whatever reason, uh, are just outside of our first pick and we can use them in trades for others. We, you know, this this it's been stated by the club that over the next couple of years we'll be we'll be active traders. Uh, not so much relying on the draft. And don't forget we've got a couple of good prospects coming through, um, father, son, etc. over the next year or two. We've got Max's brother, we've got Tyler Welsh. Um, you know all of a sudden in a squad of, you know, forty odd, um Things are a little bit uh, a little bit tight. Um, you know, we probably need to bring on a, a young developing ruckman at some point. Um, so blokes like Braden Cook and Nankervis and you know these lads that have been on the on the list for a couple of years, um, they're you know they they're, they're going to be uh, pushing to to stay on the squad, stay on the list. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, and because. Also, the one very lads that you mentioned, they could also be building their games up uh, so well by the end of the year that you want to you want to retain them because you know they're going to play next year. Absolutely. So a very interesting time, like all great problems to have. But the thing that you want to be very careful of, and the thing I reckon that is most difficult to manage in those situations, is not destroying your culture and your team spirit by getting rid of a couple of blokes that you know. Um, uh, are integral to that so uh, you know as long as the club can have good honest conversation with its players and the players are aware that it's still a professional environment and these things happen because the list can't stay stagnant it has to it has to evolve and it's by no means uh in my opinion at its peak there are still like we've got Brody Smith coming towards the end of his career uh Rory Sloan's coming towards the end of his career Tex Walker's coming towards the end of his career uh, we've got a, a few blokes on the fringes um, that we might decide to upgrade um, and a couple of blokes that just might want to leave for whatever person, reason. So, um, And, you know, as the club becomes more successful, there's going to be players like Isaac and Geordie that want to come and play with us. So it's going to be a very interesting period as we rise back up the ladder, but a very good position to be in. Yeah, so that's the long term. This year... Um... Uh, you know, I think we've we've won the last three in a row. We could really have been five in a row. In um, I think yep. the the draw the draw got us with having to play GWS uh, the very first game uh, in uh, heat and humidity, and we ran out of legs in the last quarter, and um, that in itself, uh, and within a five day break and playing Richmond, and then we ran out of legs again in the last quarter. If we just played. Somewhere, somebody else, uh, and not in that particular heat. I think that we could possibly be undefeated at this stage. Um, 
Agreed, Mako. I agree with that. So I think we're going well. Uh, the test will be when we, we play the really, really big boys and uh, looking forward to that. That will tell us where we're really at. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, it's, um, you know, as I said, it's it's a good position for us to be in as a club. Um, it just needs to be managed well. Um, and we'll, it'll be very interesting to see as the season develops how that uh, how that plays out. Yep. So next week we've got um, who have we got? We've got bloody Hawthorne down in Tassie just to come back down to earth after after uh, um, gather round. Danger game in my opinion. Massive danger game. Well, you know, I think we're playing Hawks down in Tasmania. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Well, watching them, uh, Hawks are, you know, they're in that stage where they're developing um, and starting off from a fairly low base, but they still have some players in their team that can do very good things, and uh, they have, they can't seem to maintain it all game, but they can have some very, very damaging passages of play and periods of play. So. We would want to be serious about it if we want to win the game, because um, otherwise, um, if you know, if we went there with thinking, yeah, we'll win this game, and we weren't switched on like we were in this particular game, that's a type of game you can drop if you're not careful. Yep, and as we keep saying, it's it's a shame to waste good wins with soft losses, right? Um, Tas, we haven't done particularly well in Tasmania. Um, there's been at least one game that I recall in recent memory where we, you know. Gave up an eleven goal. Didn't we kick eleven goals straight and lose <laughs> in the first yeah. quarter? We kicked eleven goals straight yeah. and lost. Um, yeah. So you know, it, it's just another test. And I think you know uh, this this season is all about. I, th- I forget which commentator what it was, but I felt like it was a very good com- comment that was made. It might actually have been David King, which really pains me to say that, but it's about ticking off little milestones, right? And one of those little milestones will be. A solid win in Tasmania. Another one will be a win against Geelong at GMHBA Alphabet Stadium. You know, these yeah, little yeah. milestones, these little milestones that you want to tick off as you progress and as you rise up the ladder. And um, yeah, this one this week against Hawthorne, who showed a little bit this week uh, at a venue that we don't particularly like and is always uncomfortable to play at. Um, that's that's going to be just another little test for us. Yeah, that's a good, very good summary there, Ben, because um, if we want to make the eight, and we certainly do, we would have to win all the games we should win and not squander those. And um, if we think, well, to, get a, to be better than we are regarded as, we'd have to knock off Geelong at Geelong. I think that is always one of the very hard ones to do because they have a huge winning rate there. Another one is, I don't know whether we play Brisbane up in Brisbane, but uh, they won 31 of their last 36 or something like that. Yeah. If you win so those games, the... then you know you're going somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and that's, that's um, you know, obviously um, another one of those little milestones. But the one coming up, uh, what do you reckon, mate? What's our chances? We will win. And I'm going to say that we'll win by 42 points. 42 points? Yep. 
Interesting. I'm not that bullish. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tight. There will be tight periods. I believe there will be tight periods, but I also believe there will be passages where we will get away from them. I'm. Uh, I think we will win. I think it'll be a close game. I think we'll win by probably about ten points in the end. Um, and uh, what we will benefit from the most, Macker, I think, is the nine-day break. I think a few of our boys will be very happy to have a bit of a rest. That's one of the reasons for my confidence, being that you know we've we've been playing games with five-day breaks and doing doing well and. Um... Uh, a nine-day break will be just like heaven to our players. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it either takes them off the boil or it refreshes them, and that's, you know, the coach's job and the fitness staff job, et cetera, um, you know, to, to make sure that doesn't happen. But, uh, look, uh, I think we will win. I think it'll be quite tight. I think the Hawks um, would be smarting after their loss to the GWS, but they would have taken some confidence that they were able to compete against the Giants, so um, it'd be a very interesting game. Now, before we finish up, mate, uh, we've just got to go through some things. Now, Buddy C's girl um, has jumped me again on the uh, ladder. I won't put them up, but I'll just read out. So we had uh, Billy, Sam, Mark... Uh, Billy and Sam got nine. Mark, uh, Crow's girl, Nikki, um, Peter, Martin, Brad and... Jonathan and Josh got eight. I got five, Mac. I was I was on the wrong side of a couple of upsets. You know, I was on Gold Coast and I was on bloody St Kilda, um, and they got me. No, I I did. I got seven. I thought that was good because I'm a hopeless tipper. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at the moment, uh, in terms of the leaderboard. Um, as Gacy pointed out, Baxter's in front on 32, Mark's on 31 along with Josh Grotato. Um, then we've got Hammerific on 30, Sam G on 29, um, a few on 28, and then down to little old me on 24, Macca. I slipped, slipped badly. I'll let you in the same category as me, mate. Yeah, I've never been a great tipper. Uh, on the other hand, uh, fantasy footy uh, this year um, has been pretty interesting. So, uh, super califragilistic XB Jack Lacocious beat uh, Crow's Girl fairly comfortably. Um, Iron Fist got off the mark uh, with a win over Brad. Um, Phoenix forward entries, just another solid win, just coming up the ladder against uh, Chris. Um, we had the no-names, Tom C getting up over Bayside Crow. Uh, Scoot got off the mark with a win against a booking accident. Uh, a bunch of unique individuals went down by a point to Mick Spud for his first loss of the year, Tom. Um, Shady's All-Stars got up also against uh, Glenn. Um, another close game, uh, Tony just got up over Jad. Jad's, uh, I think Jad's going really well, actually. I think he's bloody in the top three or 4,000. Let me have a look. Uh, pretty sure he is. Let's have a look at Jad. Where are you, Jad? Yeah, he's uh, 1980, which is pretty good. Pretty good. That's very but, good. Uh, yeah, he lost this week, unfortunately. Jad, um, what else happened? Something else happened. 
I've lost my place now. Um, do, do, do. Oh, wrong round. Come on, get it together. Uh, 1990 Crows just having a, a bad time. He, he only got one in the tips. So I reckon he must have forgotten to put his tips in. So he's right down the bottom. And he had a loss, had his first loss for the season against John C. Um, so it's little wonder that 1990 uh, is scarce on the chat tonight uh, because he'd be licking his wounds, I'd imagine. So don't forget, uh, pardon me, don't forget uh, those are involved in our competitions. Um, there is some prizes on the end of it. Um, so stay engaged in those. Um, don't forget too, uh, I think I've put it in Discord. I was a bit late. Um, the monthly giveaway is up and running. So go to the competition channel on our Discord um, server uh, to enter that one. Um 1990 did win the t-shirt so he has won he's won something this month so that's good mac i don't i don't feel so bad in giving him a hard time um and if you do want to get around our discord server don't forget if you're listening on youtube or um or on one of the podcast channels uh the links for the discord server are in all our socials uh and in our profiles on youtube and twitter etc so uh come on board we're up to we've got 325 members in our discord channel at the moment mac which is pretty good uh currently 58 uh are joining us either on the stage or just in the chat which is fantastic so the community is really growing we appreciate everyone's support um, both on youtube and also in discord and on the audio um, platforms um we caught a bit of a serve on itunes the other day mac uh, but i think we're a vic we're a bit of a victim because it was after the richmond uh, debacle where we had technical difficulties and all the rest of it so uh hopefully uh i can't remember who it was some grumpy bastard gave us a negative review so i hope he stuck around and hope he's enjoyed the lack of technical glitches that we've had since then uh, but if you do want to leave us a review on itunes please go ahead and do so all input and feedback is most valuable Mac, I reckon we've done it. Yeah, we've done it. I think there's no more to come. No, I think we've done it. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back again next um, Sunday um, for the weekend wrap following the Tassie game. In the meantime, have a good week, everyone. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. Yep, good night, all. <laughs>